0: Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible-teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg.
1: So it's important to God... About justice and that 's why we see him putting these six cities kind of equidistantly all throughout the land of Canaan to make provision for somebody who killed somebody, whether on purpose or on accident, there would be a tribunal. you know there would be a, a, a court in a sense, as they stood before the congregations of these of these different places, they would make judgment, and if they were good and, and everything was good, then they lived, but they had to stay within the walls until the death of the high priest. And
0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to Truth in Christ Radio. Today, Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of Joshua, chapters 20 and 21. We learn today that God now tells Joshua to fulfill what the Lord had commanded through Moses in the book of Numbers, chapter 35. This was the appointment of six cities of refuge. The purpose of these cities of refuge was to protect the slayer who kills any person accidentally or unintentionally. They were to protect someone in the case of manslaughter as opposed to murder. And now, let's open our Bibles to the book of Numbers, chapter 35, and follow along with Pastor Rob as he introduces these cities of refuge.
1: Tonight we're going to be looking at Joshua 20 and 21, but before we get into Joshua chapter 20, I'd like for us to start in Numbers, chapter 35, beginning in verse 9. If you remember where we're at in the book of Joshua now, the battles, the big battles have been accomplished, and... The land has been partitioned out to the different tribes, and and it's a great time for them because now that you know the the you know what it's like having uh, having a big battle and, and having a lot of stress, and then finally for there to be a release of that stress, uh, whether it's uh, you know waiting for a job promotion and or maybe even getting a job that you've always desired. And there's the interviews, and then there's the what ifs, and you're. You're supposed to get a phone call, and you don't get the phone call, and they say they'll call on Monday at noon, and Monday at noon comes and goes, and it's just this constant suspension, and you just feel like you just want to exhale. That's what this was like for the children of Israel. They had gone through these battles, and and God was very faithful to them, and he provided them the land. And so we get through this partitioning of the land, and God begins to give them some of the civil Government, governmental kind of things—the civil um, codes, the laws and ordinances—and and I love this about God. He didn't just give them the land and, and say, "Here's the land. Uh, feel free to move about the cabin." Uh, see ya. <laughs> he didn't do that. He gave them very specific instructions. He gave them laws and ordinances and codes. And all of this was to do what? it was to glorify him, and because a society that doesn't have any rules and regulations is is a society that's that's going to shut down very quickly because there's because lawlessness will abound and so God, in his all knowingness and his omniscience, he knows the heart of man, and he knows that if he doesn't put things in place, uh man at his best will end up killing himself and 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 so God institutes these things, and incidentally, a lot of these things that we 're looking at tonight, um, and even in the law of God in the first five books, you know Exodus and Leviticus numbers and deuteronomy, these laws are they 've affected our laws in this country. A lot of these laws, m- most everything we get from our our penal codes and our laws come from the Bible, whether they will admit to it or not it 's all there, and tonight is no different so there 's only nine verses in chapter twenty. And it talks about these cities of refuge. A city of refuge was someone where someone could go if they inadvertently had killed somebody. We would call it today involuntary manslaughter. But since uh, chapter 20 has very little in it, let's go right back to the very beginning when God spoke this to Moses and just read it because I think it has a more complete uh, narrative for us to understand really what this was all about and why it was, and even gives some examples, which I think are, is really awesome. So let's just read it. Verse 9 of Numbers, chapter 35. It says, then, and remember Moses at this time, uh, when, as we're reading Numbers, he's alive and he, they are at the, um, on the other side, on the eastern side of the Jordan River before they crossed over. And so the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the children of Israel and say to them, when you cross the Jordan into the land of Canaan, then you shall appoint cities to be cities of refuge for you that the manslayer who kills any person, notice, and you might want to underline this, accidentally may flee there. There shall be cities of refuge for you from the avenger that the manslayer may not die until notice two things. He stands before the congregation in judgment, and and actually the, the other the second thing will be coming later. I'm sorry, I got ahead of myself. And the cities, verse thirteen, which you give, you shall have six cities of refuge. You shall appoint three cities on this side of the Jordan, which is in this in this time frame. He's talking about the east side of the Jordan, right? Um, which is, uh, if you're looking at a map, um, it would be on the on the on the uh, right side there, on the eastern side. And so you shall appoint three cities on this side of the Jordan and three cities which you shall appoint in the land of Canaan. And that would be once they cross over the Jordan and conquer Jericho, etc. they would um, actually set up three more cities, which will be cities of refuge. Verse 15, these six cities will be for refuge for the children of Israel, for the stranger and for the sojourner among them, that anyone who kills a person, notice, accidentally may flee there. But if he strikes him with an iron, and I love this, God gives uh, um, examples so we understand what involuntary manslaughter is. <laughs> he says, but if he strikes him with an iron implement, or, or a, a, actually just a cold-blooded murderer, he, he differentiates those two right here. But if he strikes him with an iron implement so that he dies, he is a murderer. And the murderer shall surely be put to death. And if he strikes him with a stone in the hand by which one could die, and he does die, he is a murderer. The murderer shall surely be put to death, or if he strikes him with a wooden hand weapon by which he could one could die, and he does die, he is a murderer. The murderer shall surely be put to death. The avenger of blood himself shall put the murderer to death, and when he meets him, he shall put him to death." If he pushes him out of hatred, or while lying in wait, hurls something at him so that he dies, or in enmity he strikes him with his hand so that he dies, the one who struck him shall surely be put to death. He is a murderer, the avenger of blood shall be put shall put the murderer to death when he meets him so this is speaking of voluntary murder, just cold blooded murder you know when somebody raises a you know a, a wood like a a small baseball bat or something like that and they're they're hitting somebody and they maybe they didn't mean to kill them but they're hitting them with it which means the intention is there and the lethalness of that blow could very easily take a life and so god says that if that occurs then he is a murderer but notice however if he pushes him suddenly without enmity, in other words, if he pushes him uh, for some reason or throws anything at him without lying in wait, in other words, it wasn't premeditated, or uses a stone by which a man could die, throwing it at him without seeing him so that he dies while he was not his enemy or seeking his harm, then the congregation shall judge between the manslayer and the avenger of blood according to these judgments, and can you see just the, the 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 code that God is setting up so that the cold blooded murderers are killed by the next in line the next uh, we 'll we'll look at that the avenger of blood, who that is it 's a go well we 'll look at that uh, shortly, but God puts this in place, and for those who inadvertently uh, kill somebody, you know you could be out hunting you know this would be a good, another good example in our day you know you 're out hunting and you know, you're not obeying the laws, and you're not supposed to shoot an animal on on the on the horizon where you can't see on the other side of the hill, but you shoot it anyway, you miss, and it goes over and hits another hunter that he dies. You didn't hate the hunter. You didn't know he was there. You didn't assume anybody was there, but you killed him by accident. Uh, in a situation like that, that would be involuntary manslaughter, right? And so God says, you shall not be put to death for that. You may go to jail, uh, you, may, you may get your license revoked, and um, the family of the person who's killed is going to be very angry with you, but it's not worthy of death. So it says, however, uh, I read that. So, so verse 25, So the congregation shall deliver the manslayer from the hand of the avenger of blood. The manslayer is the one who did the accident. The Avenger of Blood is somebody uh, in the family, usually a male, the oldest male in the family, would normally come after the person who killed somebody in their family. Does that make sense? It's kind of like the same thing you see today you know if 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 my if somebody was to kill me, you know my brother would come after them. you know uh, he would want to do that of course he's a he's a major in the Lee County Sheriff's Department, so he'd probably do it lawfully. I don't know. but anyway. So, the congregation shall deliver the manslayer from the hand of the avenger of blood, and the congregation shall return him, notice, to the city of, his, of refuge where he had fled, and he shall remain there, notice, until the death of the high priest who was anointed with the holy oil. But if the manslayer at any time goes outside the limits of the city of refuge where he fled and the avenger of blood finds him outside the limits of his city of refuge and the avenger of blood kills the manslayer, he shall not be guilty of blood. So if it was really involuntary manslaughter, a city of refuge would be a city, and there's six of them, and we'll look at them. In fact, you can see on the screen right now there's, there, there there were six different places. One was on the—three uh, of them were on the east coast of the of the Jordan River— uh, Bezir down in the south, uh, Ramoth-Gilead in the in the center part, and then Golan in the north part, just uh, immediately to the, the east of the Sea of Galilee, uh, Kedish uh, up above that on, on the west side of the Jordan River, and then Shechem down in the center of the land of Canaan, and then Hebron down uh, right about the middle of the Dead Sea on the west side. And so they would flee to one of these cities. And it says, because he should have remained in the city. So if the manslayer uh, goes to one of these cities and it's involuntary, he's supposed to, to go in and get judgment. The members of that city would listen to his case. And if indeed he was, it was involuntary and he didn't hate anybody before, and it was just an accident, they'll be able to determine that. However, he's supposed to stay in the walls of that city until the death of the high priest. And that may be years. And so... In order for him to be protected, he's got to stay within those walls. If at any time he leaves those walls, the avenger of blood, who's probably looking out, seeing if he comes outside the walls, if he kills him and finds him outside the city gates, and he kills him, he will not be held guilty for his blood. And so, because he should have remained, verse 28, in the city of refuge until the death of the high priest. But after, notice, the death of the high priest, the manslayer may return to the land of his possession, And these things shall be a statute of judgment to you throughout your generations and all your dwellings. Whoever kills a person, the murderer, shall be put to death on the testimony of witnesses. Why do you think we have juries? Why do you think you get called to jury duty that everybody loves to do? You go to jury duty for this very reason. No one will be put to death on the testimony of witnesses, but one witness is not sufficient testimony against a person for the death penalty. Moreover, you shall... Take no ransom for the life of a murderer who is guilty of death. In other words, you can't, you shouldn't take bribes. But he shall surely be put to death. And you shall not take no ransom for him who has fled to his city of refuge, that he may return to dwell in the land before the death of the priest. So you shall not pollute the land where you are, for blood defiles the land, and no atonement can be made for the land, for the blood that is shed on it, except by the blood of him who is shed, who has shed it. Therefore, do not defile the land which you inhabit, in the midst of which I dwell. For I, the Lord, dwell among the children of Israel. So I think that gives us a pretty good understanding of what these cities of refuge are. So let's actually go back into Joshua chapter 20. And before we um, actually read this, and it's only nine verses, and again, I think what we just read is more of a complete statement about what the cities of refuge are. And I think you're going to find it interesting what um, how Jesus is he is our high priest. And we're going to look at that. We're going to look at that. But before we do, I want to share with you, you know, God cares about life and he cares about justice. You know, we live in a time today where justice can often be skewed. Sometimes we we see uh, dirty judges and uh, people who accept bribes and and, and we get a little jaded by seeing the the justice department or the justice system. It's very hard sometimes to, uh, to see that. But God, he cares about life. In fact, in Leviticus, he says, choose life. He says, I put before you life and death. And I believe he would say it to America today. I put before you life and death. Now choose life. Choose life in every facet and every meaning of the word life. Choose life. Life, not death. And that, that doesn't just mean abortion. You know, that's certainly a, a, a hot topic today. Choose life. But not only don't do those things, but choose life. Choose who is the life. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father except through me. So choose Christ. And when you choose Christ, basically what you're doing is when you sign on the paper and giving your heart to him, you're basically saying, oh Lord, I want to live a life that is your life living in and through me. I want to listen to what you show me in your word, and I want to appropriate it into my own life. I don't want it just to go in one ear and then out the other. It must be something that we take in, and we do something with it. Otherwise, the Bible says that if we're hearers only and not doers of the word, what, we, what do we do? We deceive ourselves. Because then we think we're good. And then we think we're okay, when actuality we're not. And the, the Pharisees and the scribes, they fell into that very same thing. They thought that they were good because they went through all the motions, they had all the laws memorized. And yet, you, you know, they, they, they tripped over the very things that they were guilty of. Because they justified themselves and they thought that everything was about somebody else and never for them. And their hearts got corrupted. So it's important to God about justice. And that's why we see him putting these six cities kind of equidistantly all throughout the land of Canaan to make provision for somebody who killed somebody, whether on purpose or on accident. There would be a tribunal. you know, There would be a, a, a court, in a sense, as they stood before the congregations of these, of these different places. They would make judgment. And if they were good and and everything was good, then they lived, but they had to stay within the walls until the death of the high priest. But if they were guilty, then they would hand them over to the manslayer, and the manslayer would be the first to kill them. Can you imagine how our our society would be different if I'm not promoting or proposing that we go back to that, but I I think it would be a pretty good deterrent because nowadays um, you can kill somebody, and it it doesn't necessarily mean you'll have the death penalty. Many states don't have the death penalty. And while that doesn't sound very godly, I will submit to you that without these kinds of things, what happens is we become, our, our, our society becomes soft, and then there's no deterrent. And when there's no deterrent for things, it starts to unravel very quickly. I think I showed you a, a picture a few Sundays ago about the new law that they passed in the first of the year out in California, where it was uh, for the first through third grade Kids in California can't be expelled from school. So they can come to school, and they can be little rascals, and they can say all kinds of nasty things. They can spit spit spitballs at the teacher. They can be disrespectful. They can do whatever they want. They cannot be uh, suspended from school. And this year, they extended it to sixth grade, or is it fifth grade? And so now you got a couple more grades, and it's just like, what are these people thinking? You know, that there has to be a deterrent. And so God here is making the deterrent pretty strong. And again, thank God we live in an age of grace. But I love what Micah said. In Micah chapter 6, verse 6, he says this, With what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before the high God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, ten thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? And here's the verse, verse 8. He has shown you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. And see, that's God's heart. It's always his heart, and I love that about the Lord, love that about him. So let's get into verse 1. These nine verses will go by pretty quickly. It says, The Lord spoke to Joshua, and again, this is going to be reviewed because we've already looked at Numbers 35, verses 9 through 34. So this is just going to be recapping. So the Lord spoke to Joshua, saying, Now, remember, now they've already crossed over into the promised land, and now they've got all the land as partitioned out, and they're in a, in a time of rest now it's time to get these things in order, to get these other three cities on the western side, to get those established. Because the other three, Golan and Ramoth, Gilead and Bezir, those have already been taken care of before they even crossed over. And now that they've crossed over, three more. So God says, speak to the children. God says to Joshua, speak to the children of Israel, verse 2, saying, appoint for yourselves cities of refuge of which I spoke to you through Moses, that the slayer who kills a person accidentally or unintentionally may flee there, and they shall, be, they shall be your refuge from the avenger of blood. And when he flees to one of these cities and stands at the entrance of the gate of the city and declares his case in the hearing of the elders of that city, they shall take him into the city as one of them and give him a place that he may dwell among them. And remember, it's at the gates of the city when most business would be done. It's at the gates of the city in these times that uh, justice would be done, a lot of business would be done, right outside the city gate. That's where it would all happen. And so, verse 5, it says, Then if the avenger of blood pursues him, they shall not deliver. Now, this is assuming he's not guilty, right? They, they've already made their investigation, and they found out he really did. Uh, it was unintentional. Then, if the avenger of blood pursues him, they shall not deliver the slayer into his hand, because he struck his neighbor unintentionally, but did not hate him beforehand. Now, this word, avenger of blood, I would encourage you to underline it, because this is significant, because in the in the Hebrew, this word means goel, or geel, and you know this from the book of Ruth, the kinsman redeemer. That's what this is. The avenger of blood is the kinsman redeemer. This is uh, someone who is um, uh, the next male in uh in age the the eldest male, and he would be the the avenger of blood. he would be called a go well and um, he had four different roles in his life uh the first one is if he uh, say uh, two brothers uh, had two wives and one of the brothers died without um, having children, the older brother would go in unto his wife and raise up uh, children in his brother's name. And so that would be one of the acts or one of the things that a Goel would do, a kinsman redeemer. And another one would, to, would be to uh, redeem him from slavery. Um, if he owed a debt and uh, he paid the debt himself instead of letting his brother be a slave, he could redeem him instead. Another thing that he could do is to redeem land and also to exact vengeance. And that's really what an avenger of blood is. So if someone were to kill me, my brother would be the avenger of blood. But the avenger of blood is the Goel. And this was a family protector. He was the near kinsman. That's what, his, that's what he did. And you see this term in the book of Ruth over 10 times, like 12, 15 times, something like that. You see this avenger of blood or the, the kinsman, redeemer. So that's who this is. So going on to verse 5, he says, Then if the avenger of blood pursues him, they shall not deliver the slayer into his hand, because he struck his neighbor unintentionally, but did not hate him beforehand. And again, we've established that this is involuntary manslaughter. And, and notice uh, that the Lord gave us good examples. And these kind of things happen, don't they? Involuntary manslaughter. We see it on the news all the time. It amazes me. I don't know what it is about Florida, but when we were in Florida... We turn on the news and it's just like, I can't believe how many people are killing each other in Florida. I don't know what, is it the heat? Is it making them mad? I don't know what it is. Maybe the sunshine on the head is just baking the brain. I don't know what it is. But there just seems to be a lot of crime done in southwest Florida and it's just happening a
0: lot. I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of Joshua.